0: SECTION 16 OF REPORT ON THE INVESTIGATION INTO RUSSIAN INTERFERENCE IN THE 2016 PRESIDENTIAL ELECTION. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY LYNN Jarrow. REPORT ON THE INVESTIGATION INTO RUSSIAN INTERFERENCE IN THE 2016 PRESIDENTIAL ELECTION by Robert Mueller. Analysis In analyzing the President's decision to fire Comey, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. A. Obstructive Act The act of firing Comey removed the individual overseeing the FBI's Russia investigation. The President knew that Comey was personally involved in the investigation Based on Comey's briefing of the Gang of Eight, Comey's March twentieth, 2017 public testimony about the investigation, and the President's one-on-one conversations with Comey, Firing Comey would qualify as an obstructive act if it had the natural and probable effect of interfering with or impeding the investigation. For example, if the termination would have the effect of delaying or disrupting the investigation, or providing the president with the opportunity to appoint a director who would take a different approach to the investigation that the president perceived as more protective of his personal interests relevant circumstances bearing on that issue include whether the president's actions had the potential to discourage a successor director or other law enforcement officials in their conduct of the russia investigation The president fired Comey abruptly without offering him an opportunity to resign, banned him from the FBI building, and criticized him publicly, calling him a showboat and claiming that the FBI was in turmoil under his leadership. And the president followed the termination with public statements that were highly critical of the investigation. For example, three days after firing Comey, the president referred to the investigation as a witch hunt and asked, when does it end? Those actions had the potential to affect a successor director's conduct of the investigation. The anticipated effect of removing the FBI director, however, would not necessarily be to prevent or impede the FBI from continuing its investigation. As a general matter, FBI investigations run under the operational direction of FBI personnel levels below the FBI director. Bannon made a similar point when he told the president that he could fire the FBI director, but could not fire the FBI. The White House issued a press statement the day after Comey was fired that said, The investigation would have always continued, and obviously the termination of Comey would not have ended it. In addition, in his May 11th interview with Lester Holt, THE PRESIDENT STATED THAT HE UNDERSTOOD WHEN HE MADE THE DECISION TO FIRE COMEY THAT THE ACTION MIGHT PROLONG THE INVESTIGATION, AND THE PRESIDENT CHOSE McCABE TO SERVE AS INTERIM DIRECTOR, EVEN THOUGH McCABE TOLD THE PRESIDENT THAT HE HAD WORKED VERY CLOSELY WITH COMEY AND WAS PART OF ALL THE DECISIONS MADE IN THE CLINTON INVESTIGATION. b. NEXUS TO A PROCEEDING. THE NEXUS ELEMENT WOULD BE SATISFIED BY EVIDENCE showing that a grand jury proceeding or criminal prosecution arising from an fbi investigation was objectively foreseeable and actually contemplated by the president when he terminated comey several facts would be relevant to such a showing at the time the president fired comey a grand jury had not begun to hear evidence related to the russia investigation and no grand jury subpoenas had been issued On March 20, 2017, however, Comey had announced that the FBI was investigating Russia's interference in the election, including an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. It was widely known that the FBI, as part of the Russia investigation, was investigating the hacking of the DNC's computers, a clear criminal offense. In addition, at the time the President fired Comey, evidence indicates that the president knew that flynn was still under criminal investigation and could potentially be prosecuted despite the president's february fourteenth twenty seventeen request that comey let flynn go on march fifth twenty seventeen the white house counsel's office was informed that the fbi was asking for transition period records relating to flynn indicating that the fbi was still actively investigating him the same day the president told advisers he wanted to call dana Bente, then the acting attorney general for the russia investigation to find out whether the white house or the president was being investigated on march thirty first twenty seventeen the president signaled his awareness that flynn remained in legal jeopardy by tweeting that mike flynn should ask for immunity before he agreed to provide testimony to the fbi or congress and in late march or early april the president asked mcfarland to pass a message to flynn telling him that the president felt bad for him and that he should stay strong further demonstrating the president's awareness of flynn's criminal exposure c intent substantial evidence indicates that the catalyst for the president's decision to fire comey was Comey's unwillingness to publicly state that the President was not personally under investigation, despite the President's repeated requests that Comey make such an announcement. In the week leading up to Comey's May 3, 2017, Senate Judiciary Committee testimony, the President told McGahn that it would be the last straw if Comey did not set the record straight and publicly announce that the President was not under investigation. But during his May 3rd testimony, Comey refused to answer questions about whether the President was being investigated. Comey's refusal angered the President, who criticized Sessions for leaving him isolated and exposed, saying, You left me on an island. Two days later, the President told advisors he had decided to fire Comey and dictated a letter to Stephen Miller that began with a reference to the fact that the President was not being investigated. While I greatly appreciate you informing me that I am not under investigation, concerning what I have often stated is a fabricated story on a Trump-Russia relationship, the president later asked rosenstein to include russia in his memorandum and to say that comey had told the president he was not under investigation and the president's final termination letter included a sentence at the president's insistence and against McGann's advice stating that comey had told the president on three separate occasions that he was not under investigation the president's other stated rationales for why he fired comey are not similarly supported by the evidence the termination letter the president and stephen miller prepared in bedminster cited comey's handling of the clinton email investigation and the president told mccabe he fired comey for that reason but the facts surrounding comey's handling of the clinton email investigation were well known to the president at the time he assumed office and the president had made it clear To both comey and the president's senior staff in early 2017 that he wanted comey to stay on as director and rosenstein articulated his criticism of comey's handling of the clinton investigation after the president had already decided to fire comey the president's draft termination letter also stated that morale in the fbi was at an all-time low and sanders told the press after comey's termination that the white house had heard from countless fbi agents who had lost confidence in comey but the evidence does not support those claims the president told comey at their january twenty seventh dinner that the people of the fbi really like him no evidence suggests that the president heard otherwise before deciding to terminate comey and sanders acknowledged to investigators that her comments were not founded on anything we also considered why it was important to the president that comey announced publicly that he was not under investigation some evidence indicates that the president believed that the erroneous perception he was under investigation harmed his ability to manage domestic and foreign affairs particularly in dealings with russia The president told Comey that the cloud of this Russia business was making it difficult to run the country. The president told Sessions and McGahn that foreign leaders had expressed sympathy to him for being under investigation, and that the perception he was under investigation was hurting his ability to address foreign relations issues. The president complained to Rogers that the thing with the Russians was messing up, his ability to get things done with russia and he told coates i can't do anything with russia there's things i'd like to do with russia with trade with isis they're all over me with this the president also may have viewed comey as insubordinate for his failure to make clear in the may third testimony that the president was not under investigation other evidence however indicates That the president wanted to protect himself from an investigation into his campaign the day after learning about the fbi's interview of flynn the president had a one-on-one dinner with comey against the advice of senior aides and told comey he needed comey's loyalty when the president later asked comey for a second time to make public that he was not under investigation he brought up loyalty again saying because i have been very loyal to you very loyal we had that thing you know after the president learned of sessions recusal from the russia investigation the president was furious and said he wanted an attorney-general who would protect him the way he perceived robert kennedy and eric holder to have protected their presidents the president also said he wanted to be able to tell his attorney-general who to investigate in addition the president had a motive to put the fbi's russia investigation behind him the evidence does not establish that the termination of comey was designed to cover up a conspiracy between the trump campaign and russia as described in volume one the evidence uncovered in the investigation did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in the charged russian computer hacking or active measures conspiracies, or that the president otherwise had an unlawful relationship with any Russian official. But the evidence does indicate that a thorough FBI investigation would uncover facts about the campaign and the president personally that the president could have understood to be crimes, or that would give rise to personal and political concerns. Although the president publicly stated during and after the election that he had no connection to Russia, the Trump organization, through Michael Cohen, was pursuing the proposed Trump Tower Moscow project through June 2016, and candidate Trump was repeatedly briefed on the progress of those efforts. In addition, some witnesses said that Trump was aware that, redacted, harm to ongoing matter at a time when public reports stated that russian intelligence officials were behind the hacks and that trump privately sought information about future wikileaks releases more broadly multiple witnesses described the president's preoccupation with press coverage of the russia investigation and his persistent concern that it raised questions about the legitimacy of his election finally the president and white house aides initially advanced a pretextual reason to the press and the public for comey's termination in the immediate aftermath of the firing the president dictated a press statement suggesting that he had acted based on the doj recommendations and white house press officials repeated that story but the president had decided to fire comey before the white house solicited those recommendations although the president ultimately acknowledged that he was going to fire comey regardless of the department of justice's recommendations he did so only after doj officials made clear to him that they would resist the white house's suggestion that they had prompted the process that led to comey's termination the initial reliance on a pretextual justification could support an inference that the president had concerns about providing the real reason for the firing although the evidence does not resolve whether those concerns were personal political or both e the president's efforts to remove the special counsel overview the acting attorney general appointed a special counsel on may seventeenth twenty seventeen 2017, prompting the president to state that it was the end of his presidency and that attorney general sessions had failed to protect him and should resign sessions submitted his resignation which the president ultimately did not accept the president told senior advisers that the special counsel had conflicts of interest but they responded that those claims were ridiculous and posed no obstacle to the special counsel's service department of justice ethics officials similarly cleared the special counsel's service on june fourteenth twenty seventeen the press reported that the president was being personally investigated for obstruction of justice and the president responded with a series of tweets criticizing the special counsel's investigation that weekend the president called mcgann and directed him to have the special counsel removed because of asserted conflicts of interest mcgann did not carry out the instruction for fear of being seen as triggering another saturday night massacre and instead prepared to resign mcgann ultimately did not quit and the president did not follow up with mcgann on his request to have the special counsel removed evidence one the appointment of the special counsel and the president's reaction on may seventeenth twenty seventeen 2017, acting attorney general rosenstein appointed robert s muller the as special counsel and authorized him to conduct the russia investigation and matters that arose from the investigation The president learned of the special counsel's appointment from Sessions, who was with the president, Hunt and McGahn, conducting interviews for a new FBI director. Sessions stepped out of the Oval Office to take a call from Rosenstein, who told him about the special counsel appointment, and Sessions then returned to inform the president of the news. According to notes written by Hunt, when Sessions told the president a special counsel had been appointed the president slumped back in his chair and said oh my god this is terrible this is the end of my presidency i'm fucked the president became angry and lambasted the attorney general for his decision to recuse from the investigation stating how could you let this happen jeff the president said the position of attorney general was his most important appointment, and that Sessions had let him down, contrasting him to Eric Holder and Robert Kennedy. Sessions recalled that the President said to him, You were supposed to protect me, or words to that effect. The President returned to the consequences of the appointment and said, Everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. The President then told Sessions he should resign as Attorney General. Sessions agreed to submit his resignation and left the Oval Office. Hicks saw the President shortly after Sessions departed and described the President as being extremely upset by the Special Counsel's appointment. Hicks said, that she had only seen the president like that one other time when the access hollywood tape came out during the campaign the next day may eighteenth twenty seventeen fbi agents delivered to mcgahn a preservation notice that discussed an investigation related to comey's termination and directed the white house to preserve all relevant documents when he received the letter McGann issued a document hold to White House staff, and instructed them not to send out any burn bags over the weekend while he sorted things out. Also on may eighteenth, Sessions finalized a resignation letter that stated Pursuant to our conversation of yesterday and at your request, I hereby offer my resignation. Sessions, accompanied by Hunt, brought the letter to the White House and handed it to the President. THE PRESIDENT PUT THE RESIGNATION LETTER IN HIS POCKET AND ASKED SESSIONS SEVERAL TIMES WHETHER HE WANTED TO CONTINUE SERVING AS ATTORNEY GENERAL. SESSIONS ULTIMATELY TOLD THE PRESIDENT HE WANTED TO STAY, BUT IT WAS UP TO THE PRESIDENT. THE PRESIDENT SAID HE WANTED SESSIONS TO STAY. AT THE CONCLUSION OF THE MEETING, THE PRESIDENT SHOOK SESSIONS' HAND, BUT DID NOT RETURN THE RESIGNATION LETTER. When Priebus and Bannon learned that the President was holding on to Sessions' resignation letter, they became concerned that it could be used to influence the Department of Justice. Priebus told Sessions it was not good for the President to have the letter, because it would function as a kind of shock collar that the President could use any he wanted. Priebus said the President had DOJ by the throat. Priebus and Bannon told Sessions they would attempt to get the letter back from the President with a notation that he was not accepting Sessions' resignation. On May 19, 2017, the President left for a trip to the Middle East. Hicks recalled that on the President's flight from Saudi Arabia to Tel Aviv, the President pulled Sessions' resignation letter from his pocket, showed it to a group of senior advisors, and asked them what he should do about it. During the trip, Priebus asked about the resignation letter so he could return it to Sessions. But the President told him that the letter was back at the White House, somewhere in the residence. It was not until May 30th, three days after the President returned from the trip, that the President returned the letter to Sessions with a notation saying, NOT ACCEPTED. 2 the president asserts that the special counsel has conflicts of interest. In the days following the special counsel's appointment, the president repeatedly told advisers, including Priebus, Bannon, and McGahn, that special counsel Mueller had conflicts of interest. The president cited as conflicts that Mueller had interviewed for the FBI director position shortly before being appointed as special counsel, that he had worked for a law firm that represented people affiliated with the president and that Mueller had disputed certain fees relating to his membership in a trump golf course in northern virginia the president's advisers pushed back on his assertion of conflicts telling the president they did not count as true conflicts bannon recalled telling the president that the purported conflicts were ridiculous and that none of them was real or could come close to justifying precluding Mueller from serving a special counsel. As for Mueller's interview for FBI director, Bannon recalled that the White House had invited Mueller to speak to the president to offer a perspective on the institution of the FBI. Bannon said that, although the White House thought about beseeching Mueller to become director again, he did not come in looking for the job bannon also told the president that the law firm position did not amount to a conflict in the legal community and bannon told the president that the golf course dispute did not rise to the level of a conflict and claiming one was ridiculous and petty the president did not respond when bannon pushed back on the stated conflicts of interest on may twenty third twenty seventeen the Department of Justice announced that ethics officials had determined that the special counsel's prior law firm position did not bar his service, generating media reports that Mueller had been cleared to serve. McGahn recalled that around the same time, the president complained about the asserted conflicts and prodded McGahn to reach out to Rosenstein about the issue. McGahn said he responded that he could not make such a call, and that the president should instead consult his personal lawyer because it was not a white house issue contemporaneous notes of a may twenty third twenty seventeen conversation between mcgahn and the president reflect that mcgahn told the president that he would not call rosenstein and that he would suggest that the president not make such a call either McGahn advised that the President could discuss the issue with his personal attorney, but it would look like still trying to meddle in the investigation, and knocking out Mueller would be another fact used to claim obstruction of justice. McGahn told the President that his biggest exposure was not his act of firing Comey, but his other contacts and calls and his ask ray flynn by the time mcgann provided this advice to the president there had been widespread reporting on the president's request for comey's loyalty which the president publicly denied his request that comey let flynn go which the president also denied and the president's statement to the russian foreign minister that the termination of comey had relieved great pressure related to russia which the president did not deny On June 8, 2017, Comey testified before Congress about his interactions with the President before his termination, including the request for loyalty, the request that Comey let Flynn go, and the request that Comey lift the cloud over the presidency caused by the ongoing investigation. Comey's testimony led to a series of news reports about whether the President had obstructed justice. On June 9, 2017, the Special Counsel's Office informed the White House Counsel's Office that investigators intended to interview intelligence community officials who had allegedly been asked by the President to push back against the Russia investigation. On Monday, June 12, 2017, Christopher Ruddy, the chief executive of Newsmax Media and a longtime friend of the president's met at the White House with Priebus and Bannon. Ruddy recalled that they told him the president was strongly considering firing the special counsel, and that he would do so precipitously without vetting the decision through administration officials. Ruddy asked Priebus If Ruddy could talk publicly about the discussion they had about the special counsel, and Priebus said he could, Priebus told Ruddy he hoped another blow-up, like the one that followed the termination of Comey did not happen. Later that day, Ruddy stated in a televised interview that the President was considering perhaps terminating the special counsel based on purported conflicts of interest, ruddy later told another news outlet that trump is definitely considering terminating the special counsel and it's not something that's being dismissed ruddy's comments led to extensive coverage in the media that the president was considering firing the special counsel white house officials were unhappy with that press coverage and ruddy heard from friends that the president was upset with him on june thirteenth twenty seventeen Sanders asked the president for guidance on how to respond to press inquiries about the possible firing of the special counsel the president dictated an answer which Sanders delivered saying that While the president has every right to fire the special counsel. He has no intention to do so also on June 13 2017 the president's personal counsel contacted the special counsel's office and raised concerns about possible conflicts the president's counsel cited Mueller's previous partnership in his law firm his interview for the fbi director position and an asserted personal relationship he had with comey that same day rosenstein had testified publicly before congress and said he saw no evidence of good cause to terminate the special counsel including for conflicts of interest two days later on june 15 2017 the special counsel's office informed the acting attorney general's office about the areas of concern raised by the president's counsel and told the president's counsel that their concerns had been communicated to rosenstein so that the department of justice could take any appropriate action three the press reports that the president is being investigated for obstruction of justice and the president directs the white house counsel to have the special counsel removed on the evening of june fourteenth twenty seventeen the washington post published an article stating that the special counsel was investigating whether the president had attempted to obstruct justice this was the first public report that the president himself was under investigation by the special counsel's office and cable news networks quickly picked up on the report the post story stated that the special counsel was interviewing intelligence community leaders including coates and rogers about what the president had asked them to do in response to comey's march twentieth twenty seventeen testimony that the inquiry into obstruction marked a major turning point in the investigation, and that while Trump had received private assurances from then FBI Director James B. Comey, starting in January, that he was not personally under investigation, officials say that changed shortly after Comey's firing. That evening, at approximately 10.31 p.m., the President called McGahn on McGahn's personal cell phone and they spoke for about 15 minutes. McGann did not have a clear memory of the call, but thought they might have discussed the stories reporting that the President was under investigation. Beginning early the next day, June 15, 2017, the President issued a series of tweets acknowledging the existence of the obstruction investigation and criticizing it. He wrote, They made up a phony collusion with the Russian story, found zero proof, so now they go for obstruction of justice on the phony story. Nice. You are witnessing the single greatest witch hunt in American political history, led by some very bad and conflicted people. And Crooked H destroyed phones with hammer, bleached emails, and had husband meet with A.G. days before she was cleared and they talk about obstruction the next day june sixteenth twenty seventeen the president wrote additional tweets criticizing the investigation after seven months of investigations and committee hearings about my collusion with the russians nobody has been able to show any proof sad and i am being investigated for firing the fbi director by the man who told me to fire the fbi director witch hunt On Saturday, June 17, 2017, the President called McGahn and directed him to have the special counsel removed. McGahn was at home, and the President was at Camp David. In interviews with this office, McGahn recalled that the President called him at home twice, and on both occasions directed him to call Rosenstein and say that Mueller had conflicts that precluded him from serving as special counsel. On the first call, McGann recalled that the president said something like, You gotta do this, you gotta call Rod. McGann said he told the president that he would see what he could do. McGann was perturbed by the call and did not intend to act on the request. He and other advisors believed the asserted conflicts were silly and not real, and they had previously communicated that view to the president. McGahn also made clear to the president that the White House counsel's office should not be involved in any effort to press the issue of conflicts. McGahn was concerned about having any role in asking the acting attorney general to fire the special counsel, because he had grown up in the Reagan era and wanted to be more like Judge Robert Bork and not Saturday Night Massacre Bork mcgahn considered the president's request to be an inflection point and he wanted to hit the brakes when the president called mcgahn a second time to follow up on the order to call the department of justice mcgahn recalled that the president was more direct saying something like call rod tell rod that muller has conflicts and can't be the special counsel mcgahn recalled the president telling him Mueller has to go and call me back when you do it.' McGann understood the president to be saying that the special counsel had to be removed by Rosenstein. To end the conversation with the president, McGann left the president with the impression that McGann would call Rosenstein. McGahn recalled that he had already said no to the president's request, and he was worn down, so he just wanted to get off the phone." McGann recalled feeling trapped because he did not plan to follow the president's directive, but he did not know what he would say the next time the president called. McGann decided he had to resign. He called his personal lawyer and then called his chief of staff, Annie Donaldson, to inform her of his decision. He then drove to the office to pack his belongings and submit his resignation letter. Donaldson recalled that McGann told her the President had called, and demanded he contact the Department of Justice, and that the President wanted him to do something that McGann did not want to do. McGann told Donaldson that the President had called at least twice, and in one of the calls asked, Have you done it? McGann did not tell Donaldson the specifics of the President's request, because he was consciously trying not to involve her in the investigation but donaldson inferred that the president's directive was related to the russia investigation donaldson prepared to resign along with mcgahn that evening mcgahn called both Priebus and bannon and told them that he intended to resign mcgahn recalled that after speaking with his attorney and given the nature of the president's request he decided not to share details of the president's request with other White House staff. Priebus recalled that McGahn said that the president had asked him to do crazy shit, but he thought McGahn did not tell him the specifics of the president's request, because McGahn was trying to protect Priebus from what he did not need to know. Priebus and Bannon both urged McGahn not to quit, and McGann ultimately returned to work that Monday and remained in his position. He had not told the President directly that he planned to resign, and when they next saw each other, the President did not ask McGann whether he had followed through with calling Rosenstein. Around the same time, Chris Christie recalled a telephone call with the President, in which the President asked what Christie thought about the President firing the special counsel. Christie advised against doing so because there was no substantive basis for the President to fire the special counsel, and because the President would lose support from Republicans in Congress if he did so. Analysis In analyzing the President's direction to McGahn to have the special counsel removed, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. A. Obstructive Act As with the President's firing of Comey, the attempt to remove the special counsel would qualify as an obstructive act, if it would naturally obstruct the investigation and any grand jury proceedings that might flow from the inquiry. Even if the removal of a lead prosecutor would not prevent the investigation from continuing under a new appointee, a fact-finder would need to consider whether the act had the potential to delay further action in the investigation chill the actions of any replacement special counsel or otherwise impede the investigation a threshold question is whether the president in fact directed mcgahn to have the special counsel removed after news organizations reported that in june 2017 the president had ordered mcgahn to have the special counsel removed the president publicly disputed these accounts and privately told mcgann that he had simply wanted mcgann to bring conflicts of interest to the department of justice's attention see volume two section two point one infra some of the president's specific language that mcgann recalled from the calls is consistent with that explanation substantial evidence however supports the conclusion that the president went further and in fact directed mcgahn to call rosenstein to have the special counsel removed first mcgahn's clear recollection was that the president directed him to tell rosenstein not only that conflicts existed but also that muller has to go mcgahn is a credible witness with no motive to lie or exaggerate given the position he held in the white house McGahn spoke with the President twice, and understood the directive the same way both times, making it unlikely that he misheard or misinterpreted the President's request. In response to that request, McGahn decided to quit because he did not want to participate in events that he described as akin to the Saturday Night Massacre. He called his lawyer, drove to the White House, packed up his office, prepared to submit a resignation letter with his chief of staff, told Priebus that the President had asked him to do crazy shit, and informed Priebus and Bannon that he was leaving. Those acts would be a highly unusual reaction to a request to convey information to the Department of Justice. Second, in the days before the calls to McGahn, the President, through his counsel, had already brought the asserted conflicts to the attention of the department of justice accordingly the president had no reason to have McGann call rosenstein that weekend to raise conflicts issues that had already been raised third the president's sense of urgency and repeated requests to McGann to take immediate action on a weekend you gotta do this you gotta call rod support McGann's recollection that the President wanted the Department of Justice to take action to remove the special counsel. Had the President instead sought only to have the Department of Justice reexamine asserted conflicts to evaluate whether they posed an ethical bar, it would have been unnecessary to set the process in motion on a Saturday and to make repeated calls to McGahn. Finally, the President had discussed knocking out Mueller. And raised conflicts of interest in a May 23, 2017 call with McGahn, reflecting that the president connected the conflicts to a plan to remove the special counsel. And in the days leading up to June 17, 2017, the president made clear to Priebus and Bannon, who then told Ruddy that the president was considering terminating the special counsel. Also, during this time period, the President reached out to Christie to get his thoughts on firing the special counsel. This evidence shows that the President was not just seeking an examination of whether conflicts existed, but instead was looking to use asserted conflicts as a way to terminate the special counsel. b. Nexus to an official proceeding. To satisfy the proceeding requirement, it would be necessary to establish a nexus between the President's act of seeking to terminate the special counsel and a pending or foreseeable grand jury proceeding. Substantial evidence indicates that by June 17, 2017, the President knew his conduct was under investigation by a federal prosecutor who could present any evidence of federal crimes to a grand jury. On May 23, 2017, McGahn explicitly warned the President that his biggest exposure was not his act of firing Comey, but his other contacts and calls, and his Ask Ray Flynn. By early June, it was widely reported in the media that federal prosecutors had issued grand jury subpoenas in the Flynn inquiry, and that the special counsel had taken over the Flynn investigation on june ninth twenty seventeen the special counsel's office informed the white house that investigators would be interviewing intelligence agency officials who allegedly had been asked by the president to push back against the russian investigation on june fourteenth twenty seventeen news outlets began reporting that the president was himself being investigated for obstruction of justice based on widespread reporting the president knew that such an investigation could include his request for comey's loyalty his request that comey let flynn go his outreach to coates and rogers and his termination of comey and the statement to the russian foreign minister that the termination had relieved great pressure related to russia and on june sixteenth twenty seventeen the day before he directed mcgahn to have the special counsel removed the president publicly acknowledged That his conduct was under investigation by a federal prosecutor, tweeting, I am being investigated for firing the FBI director by the man who told me to fire the FBI director. C. Intent. Substantial evidence indicates that the president's attempts to remove the special counsel were linked to the special counsel's oversight of investigations that involved the president's conduct and most immediately to reports that the President was being investigated for potential obstruction of justice. Before the President terminated Comey, the President considered it critically important that he was not under investigation, and that the public not erroneously think that he was being investigated. As described in Volume 2, Section 2D Supra, advisors perceived the President, while he was drafting, the Comey termination letter to be concerned more than anything else about getting out that he was not personally under investigation. When the President learned of the appointment of the Special Counsel on May seventeenth, 2017, he expressed further concern about the investigation, saying, This is the end of my presidency. The President also faulted Sessions for recusing, saying, You were supposed to protect me. On June fourteenth, 2017, When the Washington Post reported that the special counsel was investigating the president for obstruction of justice, the president was facing what he had wanted to avoid, a criminal investigation into his own conduct that was the subject of widespread media attention. The evidence indicates that news of the obstruction investigation prompted the president to call McGahn and seek to have the special counsel removed. By mid-June, the Department of Justice had already cleared the special counsel's service, and the President's advisers had told him that the claimed conflicts of interest were silly and did not provide a basis to remove the special counsel. On June 13, 2017, the acting Attorney General testified before Congress that no good cause for removing the special counsel existed, and the President dictated a press statement to Sanders say he had no intention of firing the special counsel. But the next day, the media reported that the president was under investigation for obstruction of justice and the special counsel was interviewing witnesses about events related to possible obstruction, spurring the president to write critical tweets about the special counsel's investigation. The president called McGann at home that night and then called him on Saturday from Camp David. The evidence accordingly indicates that the news that an obstruction investigation had been opened is what led the President to call McGahn to have the special counsel terminated. There is also evidence that the President knew that he should not have made those calls to McGahn. The President made the calls to McGahn after McGahn had specifically told the President That the White House counsel's office and McGahn himself could not be involved in pressing conflicts claims, and that the president should consult with his personal counsel if he wished to raise conflicts. Instead of relying on his personal counsel to submit the conflicts claims, the president sought to use his official powers to remove the special counsel. And after the media reported on the president's actions, he denied. That he ever ordered McGahn to have the special counsel terminated, and made repeated efforts to have McGahn deny the story, as discussed in Volume 2, Section 2.1, Infra. Those denials are contrary to the evidence, and suggest the President's awareness that the direction to McGann could be seen as improper. F. The President's Efforts to Curtail the Special Counsel Investigation overview two days after the president directed mcgahn to have the special counsel removed the president made another attempt to effect the course of the russia investigation on june nineteenth twenty seventeen the president met one-on-one with cory lewandowski in the oval office and dictated a message to be delivered to attorney general sessions that would have had the effect of limiting the russia investigation to future election interference only one month later the president met again with lewandowski and followed up on the request to have sessions limit the scope of the russia investigation lewandowski told the president the message would be delivered soon hours later the president publicly criticized sessions in an unplanned press interview raising questions about Sessions' job security. 1. The President asks Corey Lewandowski to deliver a message to Sessions to curtail the special counsel investigation. On June 19, 2017, two days after the President directed McGahn to have the special counsel removed, the President met one-on-one in the Oval Office with his former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski senior white house advisers described lewandowski as a devotee of the president and said the relationship between the president and lewandowski was close during the june nineteenth meeting lewandowski recalled that after some small talk the president brought up sessions and criticized his recusal from the russia investigation the president told lewandowski that sessions was weak and that if the president had known about the likelihood of recusal in advance he would not have appointed sessions the president then asked lewandowski to deliver a message to sessions and said write this down this was the first time the president had asked lewandowski to take dictation and lewandowski wrote as fast as possible to make sure he captured the content correctly THE PRESIDENT DIRECTED THAT SESSIONS SHOULD GIVE A SPEECH PUBLICLY ANNOUNCING, I KNOW THAT I RECUSED MYSELF FROM CERTAIN THINGS HAVING TO DO WITH SPECIFIC AREAS, BUT OUR POTUS IS BEING TREATED VERY UNFAIRLY. HE SHOULDN'T HAVE A SPECIAL PROSECUTOR COUNSEL BECAUSE HE HASN'T DONE ANYTHING WRONG. I WAS ON THE CAMPAIGN WITH HIM FOR NINE MONTHS. THERE WERE NO RUSSIANS INVOLVED WITH HIM i know it for a fact because i was there he didn't do anything wrong except he ran the greatest campaign in american history the dictated message went on to state that sessions would meet with the special counsel to limit his jurisdiction to future election interference now a group of people want to subvert the constitution of the united states I am going to meet with the special prosecutor to explain this is very unfair and let the special prosecutor move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections so that nothing can happen in future elections. The president said that if Sessions delivered that statement, he would be the most popular guy in the country. Lewandowski told the president he understood what the president wanted Sessions to do. Lewandowski wanted to pass the message to Sessions in person rather than over the phone. He did not want to meet at the Department of Justice because he did not want a public log of his visit and did not want Sessions to have an advantage over him by meeting on what Lewandowski described as Sessions turf. Lewandowski called Sessions and arranged a meeting for the following evening at Lewandowski's office but Sessions had to cancel due to a last-minute conflict. Shortly thereafter, Lewandowski left Washington, D.C., without having had an opportunity to meet with Sessions to convey the President's message. Lewandowski stored the notes in a safe at his home, which he stated was his standard procedure with sensitive items. 2. The President Follows Up with Lewandowski Following his June meeting with the President, Lewandowski contacted Rick Dearborn, then a senior White House official, and asked Dearborn if he could pass a message to Sessions. Dearborn agreed without knowing what the message was, and Lewandowski later confirmed that Dearborn would meet with Sessions for dinner in late July and could deliver the message then. Lewandowski recalled thinking that the president had asked him to pass the message because the president knew Lewandowski could be trusted but Lewandowski believed Dearborn would be a better messenger because he had a long-standing relationship with Sessions and because Dearborn was in the government while Lewandowski was not. On July 19, 2017, the president again met with Lewandowski alone in the Oval Office. In the preceding days, as described in Volume 2, Section 2G Infra, emails and other information about the June ninth, 2016 meeting between several Russians and Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort had been publicly disclosed. In the July nineteenth meeting with Lewandowski, the President raised his previous request and asked if Lewandowski had talked to Sessions. Lewandowski told the president that the message would be delivered soon. Lewandowski recalled that the president told him that if Sessions did not meet with him, Lewandowski should tell Sessions he was fired. Immediately following the meeting with the president, Lewandowski saw Dearborn in the anteroom outside the Oval Office and gave him a typewritten version of the message the president had dictated to be delivered to Sessions lewandowski told dearborn that the notes were the message they had discussed but dearborn did not recall whether lewandowski said the message was from the president the message definitely raised an eyebrow for dearborn and he recalled not wanting to ask where it came from or think further about doing anything with it dearborn also said that being asked to serve as a messenger to sessions made him uncomfortable he recalled later telling lewandowski that he had handled the situation but he did not actually follow through with delivering the message to sessions and he did not keep a copy of the typewritten notes lewandowski had given him three the president publicly criticizes sessions in a new york times interview within hours of the president's meeting with lewandowski on july nineteenth twenty seventeen The President gave an unplanned interview to the New York Times, in which he criticized Sessions' decision to recuse from the Russia investigation. The President said that Sessions should have never recused himself, and if he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me before he took the job, and I would have picked somebody else. Sessions' recusal, the President said, was very unfair to the President how do you take a job and then recuse yourself if he would have recused himself before the job i would have said thanks jeff but i can't you know i'm not going to take you it's extremely unfair and that's a mild word to the president hicks who was present for the interview recalled trying to throw herself between the reporters and the president to stop parts of the interview but the president loved the interview Later that day Lewandowski met with Hicks, and they discussed the President's New York Times interview. Lewandowski recalled telling Hicks about the President's request that he meet with Sessions, and joking with her about the idea of firing Sessions as a private citizen if Sessions would not meet with him. As Hicks remembered the conversation, Lewandowski told her the President had recently asked him to meet with Sessions and deliver a message that he needed to do the right thing and resign. While Hicks and Lewandowski were together, the president called Hicks and told her he was happy with how coverage of his New York Times interview criticizing Sessions was playing out. Four, the president orders Priebus to demand Sessions' resignation. Three days later, on July 21, 2017, the washington post reported that u s intelligence intercepts showed that sessions had discussed campaign related matters with the russian ambassador contrary to what sessions had said publicly that evening Priebus called hunt to talk about whether sessions might be fired or might resign Priebus had previously talked to hunt when the media had reported on tensions between sessions and the president and after speaking to sessions Hunt had told Priebus that the President would have to fire Sessions if he wanted to remove Sessions because Sessions was not going to quit. According to Hunt, who took contemporaneous notes of the July 21st call, Hunt told Priebus that, as they had previously discussed, Sessions had no intention of resigning. Hunt asked Priebus what the President would accomplish by firing Sessions pointing out that there was an investigation before, and there would be an investigation after. Early the following morning, July 22, 2017, the President tweeted, A new intelligence leak from the Amazon Washington Post, this time against A.G. Jeff Sessions. These illegal leaks, like Comey's, must stop. Approximately one hour later, the President tweeted, So many people are asking, why isn't the AG or the special counsel looking at the many Hillary Clinton or Comey crimes? 33,000 emails deleted. Later that morning, while aboard Marine One on the way to Norfolk, Virginia, the president told Priebus that he had to get Sessions to resign immediately. The president said that the country had lost confidence in Sessions and the negative publicity was not tolerable. According to contemporaneous notes taken by Priebus, the President told Priebus to say that he needed a letter of resignation on his desk immediately, and that Sessions had no choice but must immediately resign. Priebus replied that if they fired Sessions, they would never get a new Attorney General confirmed, and that the Department of Justice and Congress would turn their backs on the President. But the President suggested he could make a recess appointment to replace Sessions. Priebus believed that the president's request was a problem, so he called McGahn and asked for advice, explaining that he did not want to pull the trigger on something that was all wrong. Although the president tied his desire for Sessions to resign to Sessions' negative press and poor performance in congressional testimony, priebus believed that the president's desire to replace sessions was driven by the president's hatred of sessions recusal from the russia investigation McGann told priebus not to follow the president's order and said they should consult their personal counsel with whom they had attorney-client privilege McGann and priebus discussed the possibility that they would both have to resign rather than carry out the president's order to fire Sessions. That afternoon, the president followed up with Priebus about demanding Sessions' resignation, using words to the effect of, Did you get it? Are you working on it? Priebus said that he believed his job depended on whether he followed the order to remove Sessions, although the president did not directly say so. Even though Priebus did not intend to carry out the president's directive, He told the president he would get Sessions to resign. Later in the day, Priebus called the president and explained that it would be a calamity if Sessions resigned because Priebus expected that Rosenstein and Associate Attorney General Rachel Brand would also resign and the president would be unable to get anyone else confirmed. The president agreed to hold off on demanding Sessions' resignation, until after the Sunday shows the next day, to prevent the shows from focusing on the firing. By the end of that weekend, Priebus recalled that the President relented and agreed not to ask Sessions to resign. Over the next several days, the President tweeted about Sessions. On the morning of Monday, July 24, 2017, the President criticized Sessions for neglecting to investigate Clinton and called him beleaguered on july 25th the president tweeted attorney general jeff sessions has taken a very weak position on hillary clinton crimes where are emails and dnc server and intel leakers the following day july 26th the president tweeted why didn't ag sessions replace acting fbi director andrew mccabe a comey friend who was in charge of clinton investigation according to hunt in light of the president's frequent public attacks sessions prepared another resignation letter and for the rest of the year carried it with him in his pocket every time he went to the white house analysis in analyzing the president's efforts to have lewandowski deliver a message directing sessions to publicly announce that the special counsel investigation would be confined to future election interference, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. A. Obstructive Act. The President's effort to send Sessions a message through Lewandowski would qualify as an obstructive act if it would naturally obstruct the investigation and any grand jury proceedings that might flow from the inquiry the president sought to have sessions announce that the president shouldn't have a special prosecutor counsel and that sessions was going to meet with the special prosecutor to explain this is very unfair and let the special prosecutor move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections so that nothing can happen in future elections the president wanted sessions to disregard his recusal from the investigation which had followed from a formal doj ethics review and have sessions declare that he knew for a fact that there were no russians involved with the campaign because he was there the president further directed that sessions should explain that the president should not be subject to an investigation because he hasn't done anything wrong taken together the president's directives indicate that sessions was being instructed to tell the special counsel to end the existing investigation into the president and his campaign with the special counsel being permitted to move forward with investigating election meddling for future elections b nexus to an official proceeding as described above by the time of the president's initial one-on-one meeting with lewandowski on june nineteenth twenty seventeen the existence of a grand jury investigation supervised by the special counsel was public knowledge by the time of the president's follow-up meeting with lewandowski redacted grand jury see volume two section two g infra to satisfy the nexus requirement it would be necessary to show that limiting the special counsel's investigation would have the natural and probable effect of impeding that grand jury proceeding. c. Intent. Substantial evidence indicates that the President's effort to have Sessions limit the scope of the Special Counsel's investigation to future election interference was intended to prevent further investigative scrutiny of the President's and his campaign's conduct. As previously described, see Volume 2, Section 2b Supra, the president knew that the russia investigation was focused in part on his campaign and he perceived allegations of russian interference to cast doubt on the legitimacy of his election the president further knew that the investigation had broadened to include his own conduct and whether he had obstructed justice those investigations would not proceed if the special counsel's jurisdiction were limited to future election interference only the timing and circumstances of the president's actions support the conclusion that he sought that result the president's initial direction that sessions should limit the special counsel's investigation came just two days after the president had ordered mcgahn to have the special counsel removed which itself followed public reports that the president was personally under investigation for obstruction of justice The sequence of those events raises an inference that, after seeking to terminate the special counsel, the President sought to exclude his and his campaign's conduct from the investigation's scope. The President raised the matter with Lewandowski again on July 19, 2017, just days after emails and information about the June 9, 2016 meeting between Russians and senior campaign officials had been publicly disclosed generating substantial media coverage and investigative interest the manner in which the president acted provides additional evidence of his intent rather than rely on official channels the president met with lewandowski alone in the oval office the president selected a loyal devotee outside the white house to deliver the message supporting an inference that he was working outside white house channels including mcgann who had previously resisted contacting the Department of Justice about the special counsel. The President also did not contact the acting Attorney General, who had just testified publicly that there was no cause to remove the special counsel. Instead, the President tried to use Sessions to restrict and redirect the special counsel's investigation when Sessions was recused and could not properly take any action on it. The July 19, 2017 events provide further evidence of the President's intent. The President followed up with Lewandowski in a separate one-on-one meeting one month after he first dictated the message for Sessions, demonstrating he still sought to pursue the request. And just hours after Lewandowski assured the President that the message would soon be delivered to Sessions, the President gave an unplanned interview to the New York Times, in which he publicly attacked Sessions and raised questions about his job security. Four days later, on July 22, 2017, the President directed Priebus to obtain Sessions' resignation. That evidence could raise an inference that the President wanted Sessions to realize that his job might be on the line as he evaluated whether to comply with the President's direction that Sessions publicly announced that, Notwithstanding his recusal, he was going to confine the special counsel's investigation to future election interference. End of section sixteen. Recording by Lynn Jarrow.